We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. Hello and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack, and for the two hundredth time, I'm joined by the my esteemed colleague. It's Chris. All right, everybody, how's it going? Two hundred episodes. I just wanted to say, didn't think we'd last this long. <laughs> two hundred and five in total episodes. Yeah, is it? that's yeah. me. Two hundred for me. I'm in the two hundred and five club. Hello. All right. I was going to make you a cake, but then you came in spluttering. Chris is ill this week. I'm always ill. <laughs> More ill than usual. So I gave him the choice between a celebratory cake and a lemsip. You did not. <laughs> I asked for a lemsip. Had you offered me a cake, I would have taken that instead. It wasn't a medicinal cake. Mass sugar intake is good for the body. Mm, not your it body. It provides a healthy stimulant. And a good crash at the end to remind you you're only human. That come down is hard. And it reminds you you're also breakable. Ooh. Ooh. You, that's a good segue. Thank you. That might be the best segue you've ever done. It might be the only segue you've ever done. Because usually you actively try to... Discourage yours. Prevent, yeah. Because yeah. you do terrible ones. <laughs> <coughs> I told you he was ill. <laughs> but yeah, as Chris chokes to death, unbreakable is what we are doing today from 2000 written and directed by m night Shyamalan, the first in his unbreakable trilogy which will conclude uh with glass which we will hopefully be doing next week chris Ooh, the trilogy's got a proper name now let me guess the Shyamalan verse actually somebody put down the m night Shamaverse or something like that but it's <laughs> not oh. it's the it's called the 177 east trail trilogy because that's the name, that's the train that uh, he's on, 177 East Trail. Yeah, it's not very catchy, is it? No, but that's what it's been named. I've already forgotten it, <laughs> if I'm honest. The 177 Train Trilogy, was it? I'm going to slap you. Trilogy. You're doing this on purpose. <laughs> the Choo Choo, <laughs> Choo Choo Averse, Thomas and Friends. Oh, for goodness Universe, sake. featuring the Hogwarts Express, I'm just naming famous trains, taking of Pelham 123. Trains, planes and automobiles. True, yes. Spider-Man 2, because that's got a train in it. That does have a train yeah. in it. That's a good scene. What else has got trains? There's a film on Netflix called Train of the Dead. I thought it was going to be zombies on a train, but it's not. It's ghosts on a train. Oh. Well, I didn't watch it. Spookier. Yeah, spookier. There's, an, I think it's an Indonesian zombie film. Oh, yeah. I can't remember it, but it's apparently meant to be really good. Set on a train. Maybe that was it, then. Maybe it was zombies. Maybe I misread it. No, I think it's a different title. It'll come back to me at some point, but for now, Chris... We want to talk about Kingdom, the new Netflix series that's coming out. No, we've just you just did a segue. It's unbreakable. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. This stars Bruce Willis as David Dunn, Samuel Jackson as Mr. Price, aka Mr. Glass. Elijah Price. Elijah Price, yes. And a whole bunch of other people, which we'll get into in a bit. But Chris, this yes. film opens up with Bruce Willis. He's just your everyday man. He's down on his luck. He's having some marital troubles. He's on a train. He's looking at a little girl that's upside down. And then this hot babe, smoking hot babe, you know what I mean? Walks up and sits next to him. And he discreetly takes off his marriage, his ring, his wedding ring. It's because of that tattoo. Because I top lifts up a bit and he saw her stomach. And he saw a bit of tattoo on there. Yeah, he he goes into a bit of a, a pervy... Well, I think it's pervy because... Well, no, it is pervy because he tries to chat her up and goes, Hey, you in, you in the town long, babe? Sugar? Not like that, but <laughs> more or less. And he does it more subtle. Yeah, and she goes, I'm married, man. 
<laughs> which one he, was sh- he should have left the ring and been like so am I nothing's gonna happen she is obviously creeped out by this middle aged man trying to hit on her I mean she gets off a move yeah that's why it went wrong y- yeah I mean listen don't hit on strangers on trains how is he gonna meet somebody on the train he's married it's a failing marriage though isn't it yeah but then it doesn't fail yeah but at that point it was gonna fail the train crash saved his marriage <laughs> It did, really, because, yeah, he suddenly gets this uneasy feeling, his spider sense tingles, and then there's a a flash of white, and then the next we know of Dunn, he's woken up in hospital, and he is the sole survivor of this. Not at that point. Well, there's two people that are alive, but one of them is bleeding out right in front of him. On the camera, yeah. Yeah, and the doctor's like going, hey, you're not injured at all, are you? You got any concussions? I'm going to look in your eye, see if you you got a concussion. I'm looking at you funny because you're the sole survivor. And you don't have a scratch on you. Yeah. Whether it killed everybody else and the train was brutally wrecked. I mean, he's going through all these injuries and then just in the foreground, it's just a, a white sheet that as the conversation goes on slowly fills with blood and that's the last person bleeding out yeah as it were. dunn is obviously shaken up by this whole series of events he's he's weirded out that he was the only one that survived he's not got a scratch on him he must have been knocked out during the incident though or shaken by shock or something like that that seems like it because he did wake up in the hospital didn't he he wakes up in the hospitals but then did the hospital ever try to put like an IV drip into him or a needle or anything? I don't know, right. That's one of the questions that this film leaves unanswered. Is how unbreakable is David Dunn? I'm going Luke Cage unbreakable. Unbreakable skin unbreakable. Unbreakable skin, unbreakable bones. Apparently unbreakable insides because he can't get any internal bleeding. Where's but he the... must have been knocked out on the train. Yeah, well, if he bangs he can get He can get woozy, can't he? He get woozy, he can drown. Yeah, he can, yeah. He, he can drown, yeah. Yeah. But, because isn't when you get unconscious, it's when something hits your head hard enough and, like, is it your brain, like, there's many, I don't it know how it works, wobbles. shakes or, like, touches the side of your skull, which knocks you out. So, obviously, the impact shook him so much, his brain slapped his skull, <laughs> rendered him unconscious. Yeah. But when he wakes up, there's no, no damage done. Yeah. Unbreakable brain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if your brain gets jostled around enough, then it's going to lead to some bleeding in the brain. So you've got to watch out for that. But that's one thing that isn't answered. And I like that it's kind of ambiguous in that regard. But yeah, he goes, David Dunn goes to the uh, memorial for the people that died on the train. And it's kind of a sad scene. He's there, he's the only survivor. And this priest is listing off all the names of the people that died in the crash. He's got to do 131 names. I know, it's a long list. And at the end of the memorial ceremony, David Dunn goes out to his car and there is a card on the windshield of his car. It's from a comic book store slash art store. It's an art gallery, how dare you. (laughs) Yeah, called Limited Edition. And it's got the question on there, how many times have you been sick in your life? And this is a question that Dunn has never really asked himself. So he asks his estranged wife and she's like, hmm, it's really late can you can yeah, you ask this i don't remember <laughs> yeah can you ask this another time he asks his boss at work and he's like yep i get it you've not had a sick day in five years here's a raise for you yeah fuck's sake sort of thing and he doesn't turn down the raise does he it's not what he wanted but he doesn't turn down the raise no yeah i mean it's pretty impressive 
what five years with no sick days yeah I nearly did that once a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) Uh, giving your current state Chris and it's three years you can probably phone in sick now and use this podcast as an example or just listen to this (laughs) look how bad I am (laughs) yeah uh, so Dunn eventually tracks down where this uh, limited edition shop is and we are introduced to Elijah Price, Samuel L. Jackson and we've been introduced to him before uh, we got the scene of his birth where the doctor goes, hey, did you drop this baby? Did you drop this baby? Because the baby's arms and legs are broken. And we get a few more flashbacks to his like childhood. He suffers with a condition called... Go on. I've not written it down. I'm going to try and remember it. I think it's uh, osteogenesis imperfecta. Osteos, right? Is it? I didn't Brittle write it bones. down. <laughs> Brittle bones. Yeah. So his bones break more easily. It's a real condition. And uh, Mr. Glass, as he is called by mean kids, um, has broken over 50 broken bones in his lifetime. And then he gets more later in the film. Yeah. And to deal with this, in his childhood, he would read comic books because he's when he's in hospital, he's got nothing to do whilst his bones heal themselves. So his mum would encourage him to go outside so he's not just sat indoors worrying about, oh, if I get up, I'm, I'm going to break a leg or something. So she encouraged him outside with uh, the promise of comic books and he would read them whilst he was in bed. And to encourage healthy uh, literacy... <laughs> it starts a bit of an obsession though doesn't it it does yeah because he becomes the he owns this art gallery now and he gets very defensive when a guy goes hey i'm gonna buy this piece and my four-year-old's gonna love it and he turns down a sale which is probably not wise well i don't know how much he's gonna sell it for probably a lot yeah but he's confident enough he's gonna find somebody else who will respect the art properly and he's telling him oh look at the jawline this is this is the original penmanship and then when it went to print they exaggerated all of these areas of stuff so he's going into some detail about this so he's definitely he knows his stuff when it comes to to comics and dunn finds him he brings his kid along uh to meet uh mr price and things get a bit weird things get a little bit intense so <laughs> Uh, Sam Jackson explains to him, oh, I got brittle bones, and I thought, if I'm on one end of the spectrum, there must be someone out there that's on the other end of the spectrum that cannot be broken, is, you know, like a superhero. And Dunn's kid is like, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty interesting. Whereas Dunn's thinking, you crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Throw away that water. It's probably got hallucinogenics in it. And then he goes, listen, I've met people like you in my job. You can ask me for your my credit card number and all sorts of stuff i don't want to see you again please leave me alone and then he he walks off uh, but he does rather sillily tell price where he works which is <laughs> well he tells me he's a security guard does he say it though at the college i think he does yeah oh yeah you fool done so <laughs> i don't want to see you again but here's where i work <laughs> come find me so that was a bit silly but price is trying to figure find someone his opposite he wants he wants a hero in real life because you know comics they only get you so far he wants the real deal and uh obviously price goes to (laughs) to to work and he's like oh no why are you here blah and uh they have a bit of a chat 
and then there's fans queuing to go into the uh, the stadium, isn't there? And as as Dunn's walking down, he he brushes against some of these fans. Particular one guy is wearing a combat jacket, and he turns and looks back, and you as a viewer thinking. Ooh, what's this? I'd already read online he has these visions, so Spider I, I ruined that for myself. <laughs> okay. And um and he goes down, doesn't he? And he he says to his colleague, Oh, let's do some pat down checks. And then he explains to uh Price that he thinks this guy might possibly be carrying, and if he is, we're gonna see him step out. And he does step out. Yeah. He says I uh, he says, Oh, I had a flash of him carrying a silver gun with a black handle. And Price is like, Ooh, superpowers uh, potentially. Yes, oh, let's oh. go see this. Yeah. Dunn offers to sit Price down up in a in a seat so he can watch the football game. But Price has got no real interest in football, so he decides to leave anyway and Dunn goes about doing his job. But then Price sees the guy in the combat jacket leaving and he wants to make sure that Dunn's vision was right because he said... I think that guy's carrying a silver gun with a black handle, doesn't he? He's very yeah. specific on the details. Tucked into his belt, like they do in the movies. So Price, he's got a bum leg at the moment. He's probably just recovering from another break. Yeah. So he hobbles after him as quick as he can. He can't really run. And he shouts at him and goes, Hey, hey man, I just want to talk to you. And then he escapes down into a subway tunnel, which is down some... A steep flight of stairs. Not really an escape, more of a casual walk down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, they're not really running, is he? He's, he's not running prices and running, so the guy's probably not in uh, a rush. In a rush, yeah. yeah. But uh, Price is in a hurry to try and get down these stairs. But in his rush, he slips, falls down the stairs. His cane, which is made of glass, shatters on the on the steps. Oh, which is metaphor. A, yeah, it's a nice visual and. He ends up breaking his legs and falling upside down. But the guy that he was chasing jumps the barrier. And as he does so, it lifts his coat to show a silver gun with a black handle tucked into his belt. Like they do in the movies. In the movies. <laughs> so Dunn was right. And Elijah is pretty satisfied. He's, he's upset that he broke his leg. But he looks peaceful as he closes his eyes yes and probably yeah. passes out from the pain of <laughs> yeah. shattering his leg and he goes off to get treatment and stuff like that and whether by design or by accident he ends up with uh dunn's estranged wife and is like hey man i i know your husband oh she, yeah she turns <laughs> out to be his rehab nurse doesn't it yeah and he freaks her out a little bit because he's like is prying in a bit too much into their relationship and things like that. But she she sort of gives in and tells him anyway. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like a sort of therapy for her just to get it off her chest. Yeah, she needs someone to talk to about this. And uh, luckily, Elijah's there. What yeah. a coincidence this is. Yeah. But she, she does get freaked out when it... Because she probably just thinks, oh, this is a strange. I'll, I'll just make small talk and it yeah. won't come back to bite me. But he does reveal, hey, I already know your husband. And she's a bit freaked out uh meanwhile dunn and son of dunn <laughs> son of dunn are kind of experimenting with dunn's uh, powers or strength so he's down in the basement lifting weights and he goes hey kid that's two, 250 pounds that's too much weight you should take some off and then i'll try and lift it again kid does it he lifts it up again and bruce willis looks at his son and goes how much did you take off kid's like I added some, <laughs> and you didn't know. And then it escalates into him ending up lifting 350 pounds, which is all the weights, 
and four paint cans tied to, <laughs> tied to the to the weight. So yeah, done. Like it's pretty strong. Yeah, I like how I done that scene. Rather than him be able just effortlessly doing it, and he's like, "Oh, I got super strength now." It's every time he's doing it, he's really struggling, but he's always able to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like his strength is a. It grows to the point where he's just able to do it, and then unless there's more weight, it doesn't go anymore. Yeah. I mean, his. Let's talk about his abilities, okay? In my mind, they're all built around survival. Mm-hmm. the perfect superpower for this podcast <laughs> so he's able to detect danger yeah so he knows if someone is concealing a secret so like they've murdered someone which will come into play in, in later on so he knows if they're a, a, a threat so if they're killed before they'll kill again uh <laughs> also if they're armed and stuff like that he's strong uh to the point where he needs to be so I think that would come into play if you're going to be crushed against a wall. You stop yourself being. So do you think his strength alters itself depending on the situation, just to the point where he's just strong enough to do what he needs to do? Yes, but I do think that would probably have its limits. So I you think... can't see him flipping a tank, but yeah. lifting a car. Lifting a car, yes, I think he could. But anything heavier than a car, I think would probably be too much. You've got to take into account that this is a a fairly realistic universe. Fairly realistic but, um, universe. Like, like, stretching it, but no laser beams or aliens or anything like that. So yeah. I think Shyamalan is trying to find realistic reasons for the powers and isn't going to go, like, super well, you know, comic-y. You know how he does it in Split, where... The character, it's um, all his personalities and each one has a different thing in the beast. And that sort of hints that he believes it so strongly it changes him. Maybe we've done, maybe it was just a freak accident he survives the train thing. And with Elijah Tamworth and his stuff, he starts to believe it. So his body just changes and adapts to it. Good idea, but I don't think Ignore that the works. car crash when yeah, he was cause, younger. Because <laughs> he has survived other things like that before. So when he was younger and he was just starting to date his future wife... Uh, they're involved in a car accident. She's hurt pretty badly. Dunn isn't, but he uses the car crash as an excuse to stop playing football because she doesn't like football. So it also shows his sort of his super strength, if you like, acting because he's trying to get the door open. He can't at first, and he pulls on it, and suddenly it it bends, and he's able to rip it open. Yeah, we I like prizes it off. He doesn't pull the door off. No, either. yeah, yeah, but it sort of it bends a, a bit, and then he's able to get it open. Sort of. Thing. Yeah, so it's almost like his strength is adjusting to meet the situation. Yeah. So I think if something happened suddenly, if you just drop something on him, you reckon it won't. It, if if you did it quick enough, he wouldn't be able to. His abilities wouldn't be able to like adjust. So you reckon it takes time for his strength to to change to the situation? Yes, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah. So like with the weights. It's down, he strains a little bit, and then he's able to lift it up. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't bleed either in this film. He goes through a couple of rough spots, and he's not... It, blood is never drawn from him, so Unbreakable yeah. Skin would also be a fair shout. At, and Unbreakable Bones. Unbreakable y- everything. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And uh, a high immune system, so he's he's never been sick. He's not got a cold or... A cough or whatever you've got, Chris. How does he shave his head? Unbreakable hair? <laughs> How does he shave his face? I think he, hair is immune to breakages. Oh, hair. Maybe, hair is breakable. Maybe if he had his hair, he wouldn't get split ends. Oh, because it wouldn't break. What about his nails? 
uh, probably unbreakable as well. How does he clip them? Now? Exactly. Huh. So they're all questions. Oh, well, maybe if I've he's got it. strong. Yeah, he his, can... his strength adjusts to yeah. his unbreakableness. Real word. Yeah. And he's able to do it. But he gets through nail clippers and, and hair shears if he does it <laughs> himself quite quickly. <laughs> oh, God, he's gone again. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> all right, then. So Dunn is starting to believe that he is now... Superhuman. Uh, yes. And Elijah gets on the phone to him and goes, you're now a superhero. You believe you're a superhero. Now you've got to do some superheroing stuff. So go to a public place and you know what to do. Insinuating, find a bad man, beat them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what superheroes do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. beat up a bad man oh there is um just quickly backtracking a bit there is a fan theory going around after split came out about this film and m night Shyamalan confirmed it because he liked the sound of it when dunn is in the stadium uh not the train station the stadium and a woman walks past and he bumps her and he gets the flash of and it's the boy going like no no all that lot m night Shyamalan confirmed that that's um the guy from split yeah james because, mcavoy's character yeah Kevin. and that's Kevin Crumb and yeah. that's his, his mum Mrs Crumb who beat him that's why he heard the shouting thing obviously it was never intended to be that fans just went oh it could be this and M. Night went that's good yeah it is yeah. it is that yeah because this was Unbreakable was meant to be a trilogy okay and probably wasn't meant to be this long a gap between films no but Shyamalan said to Sam Jackson hey keep your keep your diary open for this <laughs> for this and Every so often, Jackson would go, hey, man, when's when's that next film coming out? I, I want to be part of it. So I don't think this was the original intention for the series. No, it probably wanted three films of Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Having said that, Split is a really good film. I don't know how they're going to manage it or what they're going to do because Split is a horror film, It's essentially. Yeah, well, this is more psychological thriller because you don't know whether his powers are genuine or not or whether it's just coincidences and stuff. Yeah, so until sort of the end of the movie. Yeah, I'm gonna look forward to seeing how they how they merge them together. But yeah, I am skipping over a, a this film isn't action heavy superhero fare. It's more kind of small scale and what I think would be more realistic if someone woke up and found they had superpowers. They're not gonna go off and fight aliens and stuff and like foil massive government plots and things like that and yeah. shenanigans and stuff. It it would be like real street level kind of stuff. So this is a really good scene where he goes down into this. I think it's like a subway station waiting room yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah. And he's wearing his green security jacket, uh, the raincoat type thing. And the area is also sort of that greeny color. So Bruce Willis almost blends into the background. That's and then right, yeah. he'll brush into someone, and then they'll say, "Oh." she's a thief or he's a rapist or he attacked a woman and that character will stand out so they'll have a red jacket or they'll be wearing a yellow shirt or something like that and they'll stand out against the background and the other people and i really like that kind of framework and stuff it it really does that scene in particular really does make it look like a sort of noiry comic book which i really like he does eventually bump into i think a maintenance man who's wearing an orange jumpsuit and he sees that this guy has broken into someone's house, smashed a man in the head and is living in his house, probably keeping captive his wife and two kids. So he decides to follow him back to the house and 
rescue the kids who were zip tied in the bathroom to the pipes. Yeah, radiators and stuff. Yeah, and then he goes into the master bedroom and goes to untie the the lady that's also stuck there. But then the orange jumpsuit man comes in, pushes him over this balcony and on into the pool. Well, I thought it was a pool. But then it was like a plastic sheet that had been weighed down by sandbags. Over the pool, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> over too. the pool. <laughs> it was a good fake out because I was like, okay, he's safe from the water. Because I thought it was, oh, it was a pool. And then they just slowly start to slip off into the water. And then the plastic wrap engulfs him. And he's in the water. And he's drowning. And it, this is his worst fear. Because it's, it's revealed earlier on in the film that as a child he was nearly died. He was drowned. Uh, these kids were dunking him in a swimming pool at school swallowed water and five minutes he's my down on there apparently all the story goes probably yeah. wasn't that long in reality no no but um yeah so they got so he has a fear of water anyway but I mean you try being underwater with a tarpaulin wrapped around your face freaky it, See, you would I thought I was going to have to argue with you about this scene being scary but you found it scary well it was disturbing I found Samuel Jackson falling down the stairs breaking his bones more disturbing okay I was watching I was wincing I was going oh (laughs) oh no like that yeah whereas I knew he was going to survive tarpaulin the the drowning stuff yeah but it was still effective because usually with with things like this I have to go I have to fight you for it was scary Chris it, but, it it was a tense scene, yeah. Okay. I mean, he he gets rescued by the kids in the end, doesn't he? Yeah. When that stick came in, I thought it was going to be glass for a second. I I thought that as well. Like, but then I thought, how would he even know where he is? Yeah. How would he get there? He's in a wheelchair anyway. He's not be able to get him there quick enough and stuff. He could like get a taxi or something, and then. But again, how would he know where he was? Okay, the kids pull him out, and he's alive and safe. And then he goes up back to sort out the orange-suited man. Now, he jumps on his back, starts choking him out. The man's furiously elbowing him, smashing him into the walls, trying to get him off, but Dunn eventually chokes him out. I then found out that he actually killed the man, the orange-shooted jumpsuit man. Well, yeah, because after, after the guy passes out, he's still holding on, and he, he, he starts like wrenching his neck a bit. Yeah, I, I thought he was just like making sure that he was knocked out, but no, he, he properly kills him, because there's a newspaper article a bit later on uh, where it just says oh the parents of two kids were killed and they were saved by a mysterious rain suited hero quote unquote who killed the assailant but you can see I know it's one take but you can see the bloke still breathing uh, well, maybe he <laughs> dies later maybe, maybe maybe as he's choking him out because uh, he's holding on to him for quite a while before he chokes him out as he's holding him his strength starts to adjust and then at the end, when he's choking, he does that extra squeeze just to make sure. At that point, his strength got stronger, and that's when he accidentally breaks his neck or something. He's like, or, oops. Or it's just a continuity error that he was still breathing after quite a I didn't see the a still physical breathing. thing. I, I saw it because I was looking at him. I was like, is he dead? Oh, he's still breathing. I just assumed he was unconscious, so I yeah, didn't bother to but look at him. No, he, he died. So, oh. Chris, you're a murderer in an orange jumpsuit. Against a man with super strength, <laughs> with unbreakable skin... <laughs> He's on your back. Go. Well, you push... Can I go from when he pushes him in the balcony? Um, off the balcony? I mean, yeah. He does push him off the balcony and then just drinks a beer. Yeah. I mean, I would have gone down. Fuck? I would have gone down to the pool just to make sure. Because when the kids turned up and saved him, I'd have been like, no, no, children. Let's let him drown. Yeah. He would have died. Children tied back up. And he can continue doing his creepy existence. That train station was full of bad people. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, no, uh, the majority of people that bumped into him were 
nothing. There was only four people in total. Each crime gradually getting worse as it went up. I mean, they were all pretty bad. But yeah, it it turns out the mother that was also tied up had died as well. So, But the kids are saved. And in the morning, done slowly at the breakfast table, shows his kid. I forgot a scene. It's a pretty disturbing scene. The kid manages to find his gun and he's convinced that his dad's a superhero and Dunn's not entirely convinced at this point and the kid picks up the gun and goes hey I'm going to shoot you and you'll be fine and then you'll believe you're a superhero and Dunn goes don't shoot me because <laughs> I'll die and the kid goes oh no you won't die and then he changes tack and goes if you shoot me I'll leave I won't die but you'll never see me again and the kid right. scares the kid enough to put the gun down yeah holy shit <laughs> that is scary it was a very good scene yeah it's scary on a whole number of levels yeah, you don't know if he shoots because the ha- at this point the film's been quite ambiguous about yeah. his, his powers and it's still an element of doubt even with the viewers so you're like if this kid shoots it could actually kill yeah, him he could die but then I saw how much of the film was left and I thought okay he's <laughs> not gonna die Well, this, but uh, he could be injured This, I don't know whether Shyamalan got it from an urban myth or whether this is actually true and it's not an urban myth but apparently uh, back in the day in when the day. Superman was black and white oh yeah uh, the guy that played him was stopped in the street by a kid and he had a gun and he went you're Superman I'm going to shoot you and you're going to be fine and he had to the actor had to talk him down and goes if you shoot me yeah I'll be fine but it'll ricochet and hurt someone else it's an urban legend I'm not sure if it's true oh yeah but that's kind of I think that's the seed for where this scene came from that's quite cool but yeah. I mean it's not cool happened to the guy but no no it? and yeah it's not cool that he thinks he's being clever hiding the gun and the ammo in different places but the kid still knows so why is it in all these films when the parent has a gun the kid always knows where the gun is yeah I mean ugh. we don't like guns in Britain <laughs> we don't have them in the house because they go off and kill people right the film wraps up Chris uh, Dunn shows the, the newspaper to his kid that almost tried to kill him uh, that he killed a man <laughs> yeah and he's like your daddy's a murderer and the kid's like crying of happiness like I'm yeah. so proud of you now I can kill someone <laughs> yeah it's played off as like this kid is proud that he was right and his dad's a superhero but secretly it's fear his dad killed once he'll kill again <laughs> yeah his dad he, he's just crying in fear watching his dad thinking oh my god my dad's unstoppable yeah quickly where's Elijah he can protect us well then Dunn goes to uh, Elijah's art exhibition there's a big exhibition uh, he meets his mum fun fact the actress that plays Sam Jackson's mum four years younger than Sam Jackson really <laughs> yeah uh, do you know how old Samuel Jackson is now he's 70 that's crazy I know <laughs> but anyway Dunn is taken to the back of Elijah's thingy and he's like you were right thank you for helping me see that I can I can be more than than just a security guard and I can be a, a super duper hero. And Elijah's like, I always knew I'd find someone like you. This is the part where we shake each other's hands and knowing full well what was going to happen. Be, yeah, be proper friends and they shake each other's hands and lo and behold, Sam Jackson's got a whole lot of secrets. He's a very dangerous man because he caused a whole bunch of death and destruction in his search for his antithesis the the opposite of him so he caused a plane to explode he burnt down a hotel and we also see him getting out of the uh, driver's compartment of the train now survival chris yeah. of the train uh-huh. the train driver sees him a suspicious man out. 
unauthorized. Lurking I mean, about. you check everything's okay first, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Or try and get him and go, hey, security. Or it's not going to be hard to go after him, is it? I know. He, he can't hobbling. Run. Yeah. So, I mean, d- Jesus. <laughs> but that train driver's like, you know, I'm going to be in there, whatever. <laughs> just gets on the train, yeah, doesn't just he? Just lets him walk off. The year 2000, CCTV was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, most of these, which I think is quite uh, a fun detail, is these like flashback shots. They're always shown from like a sort of where you'd put a CCTV yeah, camera. Yeah, exactly. So, so and uh, yes, there is CCTV. In so these people are investigating the crash. It was a mass malfunction. They'd probably check the train earlier in the day, wouldn't they, just to see if there's anything weird of it. Oh, we've got footage of this man getting in and out of the, you know, the driver's part. Yeah. I mean, maybe the cameras weren't pointed directly at the train cabin. I mean, you'd, you'd think they were. Uh, but also, there'd be, like, an investigation. So, he, he's obviously put, like, a little device in there to make the train derail. Yeah, or he's just messed with the wires or something, hasn't he, and then covered it back up, which is why the driver might not have seen. Yeah, if it was something subtle. But they separate grips, and then Bruce looks all around his little office, which is in... It's open... It's in clear view of the shop, and there are like blueprints for trains and all of these news clippings. People killed, no survivors, and trains and planes are all blowing up and stuff well, like that. I guess nobody ever goes down that bit, though, do they? True, but it is in like open. And there's blueprints for like a bomb and stuff. Well, that's what like he wants, that. doesn't it? Because Samuel Jackson, he starts saying, he's like, the worst thing in life is not knowing why you're hearing that lot. And he, he's, his idea is basically revealing, you know, you're the superhero, I'm your exact opposite, I must be the villain type character. Yeah, which is kind of sad because he doesn't need to be the villain. No, at, but at it's, this it's point what gives he was him the purpose, isn't it? Yeah, at this point he was doing well in like I know he like caused the train crash, but he was like an advisor, a mentor, trying to encourage Bruce Willis to snap a man's neck. Had a successful gallery. <laughs> yeah, so he kind of all throws it away, and obviously there couldn't be a, like a massive fight between them because oh yeah, Mister like, Glasses in a wheelchair. Yeah. And Dunn's obviously Dunn's upset about this, and the film ends with uh, still shots of like Dunn went on to be a successful security guard and informed the police of Mr. Glass's insaneness. And I didn't then, like that. Yeah, it was kind of a anticlimactic ending. No, it's almost like M Night went. We could do these scenes, but I can't be bothered. We're just going to stick some writing over some still shot. And um, yeah, the the free frame on Mr. Glasses. He's now in a, a institute. Criminally insane. Yeah, which I'm guessing is what is where Glass is set off to begin with. Yes, because yeah. Because all three of them are in an institute. Yeah. I'm guessing Dunn gets arrested while beating up some bad guys, and they eventually catch a Kevin Crumb. And he's like, the beast will get you. And they're like, oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. institute with you. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get on to that next week, Chris. But oh, yeah. yeah, that was Unbreakable. Brilliant film. I'm surprised it's taken me so long to watch it. Before, this is before M. Night went a bit downhill. But he's back on game now, hopefully. Maybe. Oh, Maybe. He's got one at the moment. What, Two split. if you count The Visit, which I've not seen. The Visit's pretty good. Yeah. We'll get into Glass next week. So, Chris. Okay, cool. How do people get in contact with us? Ah, well, they can email the show at wecouldsurvive.gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at wecouldsurvive. This show is available on iTunes, Podomatic, YouTube. And on any of those, you should be able to leave comments or ratings or something. We will get the feedback, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. And we will continue our journey into the MCU, the <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Nobody's M- using MCU at the moment. MNCU. <laughs> yeah. 
but in, until then, Chris, what do, what do people do? Well, until then, we will keep on surviving. We will keep on surviving. Yes. And you will keep on surviving. <laughs> we will all keep on surviving. We'll see you all next week for Glass. Goodbye.